0: Hello and welcome to America. Can we talk? This is Debbie Addis. This week on my show, we are sharing with you the speeches made by our wonderful speakers at the third annual Women for Freedom Summit held in Dallas on October 15th. Today, Tuesday, October 25th, I'll be sharing with you three of our speakers remarks. One, Dr. Richard Bartlett, a Midland, Texas based doctor who is speaking up nationally regarding healthcare freedom, vaccines and viruses. Second, you'll hear today from Dr. Simone Gold, founder of America's Frontline Doctors and also an advocate of healthcare freedom. And third, today you'll hear from Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer. He was a former Lieutenant Colonel in the U.S. Air Force, a commander in the Space Force who left the military after writing a book exposing Marxism in today's military. His remarks about the impact of Marxism on today's military are vitally important. I hope you enjoy hearing from our speakers from the summit for our show today, and I'll be back live on Tuesday, November 1st. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, Race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned.
1: Thank you. Well, Debbie, when I came last time, we said uh, the message was, we're not helpless and we're not hopeless. We're still not helpless or hopeless. We have people like Sidney Powell and Debbie Giorgiados and my wife, Dawn Bartlett, wonderful people, Sharona. Uh, And I want to mention, I would not have gotten the message out without your help, Debbie. Five and a half million views in less than two weeks and they pulled it because it was dangerous to the narrative. And uh, this message would not have gotten out and saved hundreds of thousands of lives and now is listed at the NIH website in their library as an effective treatment for COVID. Have you heard that? I'm letting you know that. How about that? The, The boss of Anthony Fauci says, that this is an effective treatment, Budesonide for COVID. But COVID's over. And, but that message would not have gotten out without uh, two brave women, my sister Laura Bartlett and Jody Hadsel, with uh, BudesonideWorks.com. And so uh, women behind the scenes, women in the front, women are making the difference. And I thank you for allowing me to be here, Debbie. So our message now is, what did we learn about COVID? What did we learn from that pandemic? And and there are future pandemics planned. There are future pandemics that they've been planning for, and I'm going to uncover that. And we're not helpless or hopeless still. We're still the land of the free, the home of the brave one nation under God, that first. But there's also effective treatments for these future ones that have also been uncovered. And I want you to be prepared. So Debbie's already said who I am, an ER doctor. I've treated 3 victims of gunshot wounds in the last month. I've treated rattlesnake bites, heart attacks and everything else. That's normal. But these pandemics are not normal. And so I spoke to the Senate and I this is 2 minutes of the senators at the Health and Human Services Committee in Texas saying, "Thank you." The chairwoman said she watched Debbie's show and it saved her husband's life. That's the I'm going to I'll have to skip through it, and then here's to show what was happening.
2: I had a hard time being able to eat, and the little, i
0: need another doctor
2: ASAP. Three days of the treatment. Three days. I'm in shock of where I am today and where I was three days ago just with this treatment that the doctor said will not work. It will not work. And look where I am today. Praise God and thank you, Dr. Bartlett.
3: Fourteen days
2: out.
1: So here's things that I was not aware of before COVID that there was a series of of, uh, mock attacks on the United States that were uh, done by the Rockefeller Foundation, Johns Hopkins, uh, the WHO, Uh, there were events by the CCP. And so if you'll look at this, you might take a picture of that and study it later. Operation Lockstep in 2010, Mars, Spars, Mars was done by the French company that created the Wuhan lab, that built the Wuhan lab. Uh, You know, event 201 with Bill Gates. uh, And I think it's interesting that uh, the CCP in in September of 2019 did a full-scale pandemic exercise in Wuhan with their military. Did you know that? I didn't know that. So that's Debbie's show,
0: Debbie.
2: (laughs) I'm Dr. Larry Bruchette, MD, an actively practicing ER doctor and the medical expert for Fox in San Francisco. Let's get into this viral video by Dr. Richard Bartlett, who claims to have the silver bullet treatment for coronavirus, using inhaled steroids budesonide. That simply isn't true. That's simply false. Very common medication that nobody knows about. I just have to laugh.
0: But others in the medical community aren't convinced it's what it's cracked up to be. There
3: is no silver bullet at the moment, and there might never be. There is no silver bullet response to the virus at the moment, and there might never be.
2: If you're hearing things about things that are just so good to be true, it probably is (laughs) there's no scientific proof no
0: since march he claims inhaled steroids are the cure for COVID 19. and i wish it was as simple as that the cdc also says there is no known cure for COVID 19 so we can verify that claim is false
3: that people who are thinking about maybe getting
2: some off-label use of budesonide that do not do that we can't tell you that that's
3: going to help you and there's even a possibility that if you use these steroids too early or too much of them, that you could harm yourself and worsen your chances of
2: surviving COVID-19. Is there any downside to, to, to you know, there are people that, that, that are, are believe that you just denied and, and, and taking zinc is is, is, is is working. Is there any downside to, to, to doing it? You know, there is a placebo effect to make you yeah. feel better and less anxious, but in reality, it doesn't have any effect. And to think that that simple medication is the cure that could have saved half a million people.
1: Oxford University says otherwise. And Fauci's boss says otherwise now, the NIH. They have it at the website. It's been interesting, but I wanna get to what's coming they want us talking about COVID. They want us talking about the COVID shots. So I refuse to talk about COVID or the COVID shots any more than I have to. And I want to talk about the next things and how to prepare for it. Okay. That's my message. Uh, But I have to go here. The crazy things that have happened. The lessons learned is things go out. Medical tyranny is real. Uh, And Who would have thought of putting a plastic equipment bag over people's heads that are low on oxygen for a year? And when I pushed back on it, I got attacked. I got accused. Uh, I got, they said, a criminal trespass warning from the hospital. And they didn't say, they said warning because they had no evidence of criminal trespassing. So you have to throw that in there. But uh, you push back on this and then they will, doubled down and sent an open letter to the public saying why it's a good idea to put plastic bags over people's heads. And uh, it only stops when the state investigates it. And so for a whole year, for a whole year, doctors, nurses, and respiratory therapists were seeing people being rolled around Medical Center Hospital in Odessa, Texas with plastic equipment bags over their heads because they tested positive for COVID to protect the workers uh, and uh, they look the other way. Doctors look the other way. ER doctors look the other way. Pulmonologists look the other way. That's what. That's how things can get off the off the tracks. So they rushed the vaccine. And when I say rush, they admit it. Uh, in this interview, uh, Fauci says that it takes five to seven years to prove safety of a vaccine and effectiveness of a vaccine, but also. Normally, vaccines historically, like polio and things that you're thinking about, are a live virus or a dead, attenuated, weakened virus that are injected in your body. But you don't get code written on paper from the communist Chinese party that you're in an economic warfare with and inject that on a new platform, gene technology, gene therapy, RNA and DNA technology is gene therapy, and injected in every American because the Chinese government says to do that.
2: So what happened is that as soon as we got the sequence of the virus from the Chinese, we pulled it out of the public database and stuck the gene into a vaccine platform and worked on it literally within the day of when it came out. The Chinese government identified the flu like
1: which is what they did and so there's who is this guy do you really know who he is so they said safety well the one vaccine that came out immediately was Johnson & Johnson we're all familiar with Johnson & Johnson you can we always thought we could trust them but the FDA later says this is a vaccine of last resort even though they want to push all of them. Don't use this unless you absolutely have no options. It's that safe. And then the AstraZeneca vaccine, which they want you to forget they made, um, has been dropped by the United States, Germany, France, and 15 other countries because of the risk. But they said it was safe. And then the, the Moderna vaccine with Bill Gates, who's not a doctor, a chiropractor, a pharmacist, uh, a janitor in a hospital, uh, but he's the one that came up with the Moderna vaccine, and it has SM-102 made by the Cayman Chemical Company, which on its OSHA paper says, not for human or veterinary use, for research use only. Ca- can cause cancer, in- infertility, and damage the unborn child. Which one of those is good? Safety. Uh, and now they're using the fact checkers, like Reuters fact checkers, uh, saying, Oh, that's the Thailand is wrong. It's not one in three that is having trouble with heart trouble. It's one in six. Oh, that's better. Uh, And out of the UK, the, you know, all the information is in the computer. It's socialized medicine. They're finding that it's not that safe on the, and even the who calls for a stop on the boosters at one point. But Pfizer, I am on the nonprofit board that sued the FDA uh, for the Freedom of Information Act lawsuit for the FDA to give us the Pfizer data that Pfizer gave to the FDA, the Pfizer data, what Pfizer made and gave to the FDA. And the FDA said, well, we'll release that in 55 years. And then they thought about it, and they said, no, 75 years. And then the federal judge, I, was, I had the honor of being with Aaron Seary in the courtroom, and the federal judge, Mark Pittman, says, No, you're going to have to release that. And uh, Pfizer pushed back and was in the courtroom, even though they weren't being sued. And uh, the federal judge says, you're going to have to start releasing every month. And we got one fortieth of the information. And what a shocker it was, information that Pfizer had about their product that they had given to the FDA was released. And it showed over 1,200 diagnoses associated with their product according to the Pfizer data, including dozens of autoimmune disorders, including dozens of heart conditions, including strokes of various kinds. You can have a clot or you can have a bleed uh, and a cancer that stood out to me called Kaposi sarcoma. That's AIDS cancer. And so American Cancer Society knows something about cancer. And so they say Kaposi sarcoma is an AIDS defining illness. It is. As bad as those lesions look, that's not the worst of it. They have no immune system. And also in that information that we got from Pfizer, from the FDA that Pfizer had given, they had hired over 600 people to process vaccine-injured people. We've never heard of that before with vaccines. You can go to the CDC data, the VAERS website, and you'll see overwhelming, since the COVID shots came out, Compared to all vaccines for the last 50 years, almost all of the injured, almost all of the life-threatening conditions, almost all of the reported adverse events are with the COVID shots, if you look. But it's not just in the United States with the CDC. It's also with the UK and Australia. So is it effective? We talked about safety. Now let's talk about effectiveness. That's the other side of it.
2: Morning, I tested positive or COVID. And when people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not gonna get infected. Dr. Fauci says he has COVID again. If you've done the right thing and gotten vaccinated. You deserve the freedom to be safe from COVID nineteen. And this morning I learned I I tested positive for COVID nineteen as well. There's three doses that you can prevent it, not just from serious illness, but from getting this virus, this Omicron variant, and therefore giving it to others.
0: Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews is in quarantine for seven days
2: after testing positive to COVID. So I, I'm fully vaccinated, it gives me some comfort. Anthony Albanese has just tested positive for coronavirus. Uh, having received two doses of AstraZeneca, it's a very effective vaccine, protection from symptomatic illness, and therefore risk of transmission to others. You're okay, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Hey folks, guess you heard this morning I tested positive for COVID.
1: four shots. Who else got four shots? And the, uh, that was 100% effective with one shot and still ended up with COVID. The the CEO of Pfizer, the governor of New Mexico, the defense secretary Lloyd Arms uh, Austin. Uh, you have uh, the USS Milwaukee and cruise ships 100% vaccinated having outbreaks. How does that happen if it's effective? Then, Burks. Enough to say about her. So, let's listen to what they say.
2: Right now, in this country, out of the pandemic phase, namely, we don't have 900,000 new infections a day and tens and tens and tens of thousands.
1: Yada, yada. So, the uh, pandemic's over, and then you'll see Biden say it's over too. I don't have time because I got to talk fast. Uh, so, what are the pandemics that are coming? Well, let's hear it out of their own mouth. And in the background, he's going to Today, have coronavirus. Today, the
2: greatest of global catastrophe doesn't look like this. Instead, it looks like this.
1: Mislabeled influenza. That's coronavirus. If
2: anything kills over 10 million people in the next two decades, it's most likely To be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Not missiles, but microbes. Now, part of the reason for this is that we have invested a huge amount in nuclear deterrence, but we've actually invested very little in a system to stop an epidemic. We're not ready for the next epidemic. Given, as you heard from the introduction, that I have been around for a while and have had the opportunity and and the privilege and the pleasure of serving in five administrations, um, I thought I would bring that perspective to the topic today is the issue of pandemic uh, preparedness. And if there's one message that I want to leave with you today based on my experience, and you'll see that in a moment, is that there is no question that there will be a challenge the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases, both chronic infectious diseases in the sense of already ongoing disease, and we have certainly a large burden of that, but also there will be a surprise outbreak. There will be a surprise outbreak. There will be a surprise outbreak, and I hope by the end... An epidemic either naturally caused or intentionally he's going to list three diseases most Listen likely to thing to cause say 10 million excess deaths uh, and that it's pretty surprising how little preparedness there is for it now it's tricky because this is a global problem so you know, how do countries work together which countries should put up what resources uh, and you know every aspect of it the Uh, the resources to go engage in the the affected countries, the allocation decisions. As we've seen various flu scares come along, uh, we haven't had a a super good response. So the paradigmatic examples are uh, smallpox for an intentionally caused thing. There was a simulation called Dark Winter that didn't come out very well, uh, i.e. smallpox scored one and humanity scored zero. Uh, Flu epidemics, where you know we always talk about the potential occurrence of a 1917-like uh, Spanish flu problem, and then Ebola, which although it was much smaller, uh, there was some luck involved in that because it wasn't spread uh, through uh, respiratory contact. Uh, the reproductive rate was a lot lower. You know, it was basically people who were sick or dead. Uh, who were doing most of the transmission. And so through a lot of heroic effort and a little bit of luck, it stayed under control and was largely contained to the three countries.
1: Operation Deck- Dark Winter in 2001 was a mock attack with smallpox on the American people. Sm- so Dark Winter.
2: We're gonna do once, in. An and so uh, there's a need for bold action to fight this pandemic. We're still facing a very dark winter or not.
1: Former CZ, CDC director. Yeah, I think we have to recognize. I've always said that I think the COVID pandemic was a wake up call. I don't believe it's the great pandemic. I believe the great pandemic is still in the future. And that's going to be a bird flu pandemic for man. It's going to have significant mortality in the 10 to 50 percent range. It's going to be trouble and we should get prepared for it. I do believe that the pandemic risk is a greater risk of the national security of the United States than Korea, China, Russia, Iran. And we ought to start investing proportional to that national security risk that we're prepared. Unfortunately, we're not more prepared today than we were when the pandemic hit when I was CDC director. So uh, he mentions in that interview that uh, creating the bird flu and gain-of-function research being uh, published by Fauci is something he disagrees with, which already done, they have already done. So take a picture of this, <clears throat> the smallpox timeline. In 2001, there was Operation Dark Winter, a bioterrorist attack, over and over again they're preparing for a smallpox attack on the American people, either to take out the economy. uh, And I want to point out, uh, in March 2001, the Nuclear Threat Initiative, in particular. That was in March of 2001. Bill Gates uh, was part of funding that. And it was a think tank that said, we'll just take a virus out of thin air, just pick monkeypox out of thin air, and say, well, maybe there will be a terrorist attack and we'll just practice a scenario. And so we're going to talk about that here because this is the timeline they created during their exercise, saying that, well, we'll just guess that 15 months from this date, there will be monkeypox, uh, will be a case uh, pandemic that starts in May of 2020. Well, it did. And so what else do they have? The other things are starting to happen that they have listed there. It's the Nuclear Threat Initiative uh, of Concern. Uh, December 2023, they project that there will be 271 million dead a year from now. So how can that be? When you talk about monkeypox and smallpox, if either of those came into the emergency room anywhere in the United States, it'll be called monkeypox right now because they look exactly the same. The picture's the same. Uh, it's the exact same clinical picture. And we'll be told, monkeypox. And they've, they're using the same medicines. During COVID, when we were told only to think about COVID, they approved, the FDA approved, if you go to the FDA website, they approved two new medicines for smallpox slash monkeypox and a new vaccine for smallpox, which they're using for monkeypox. Why are they thinking about smallpox during COVID when we were told we can only think about COVID? Well, you remember Y2K? Raise your hand if you ever heard of Y2K. We were all told to think about that, but look in 1999's Time magazine at the same time. They have a long plan. The long plan says the future of medicine, and in the corner it says how genetic engineering will change us in the next century. It doesn't say how genetic engineering will change healthcare. It says how genetic engineering will change us. What does that mean? There's a double helix DNA with a snake head on it. So what is gene therapy? What is genetic engineering? What would it look like? Well, let's ask someone who's not qualified. The disease,
2: one final way that's new and is promising is called the RNA vaccine. With the RNA and DNA, Instead of putting that shape in, you put instructions in the code to make that shape. So the Gates Foundation, along with... Okay.
1: Here's the president of Bayer Pharmaceutical.
2: For us, therefore, uh, we're really taking that leap, uh, us
4: as a company buyer, uh, in cellular gene therapy, which to me is one of these examples, where really we're going to make a difference, hopefully, uh, moving forward. There's some, uh, ultimately the, uh, the mRNA vaccines uh, are an example for that uh, cell and gene therapy. I always like to say, if we had surveyed two years ago uh, in the public, would you be willing to take uh, uh, gene, th- gene or cell therapy and inject it into your body? We would have probably had a 95% refusal rate. I think uh, this
1: pandemic That's gene therapy. That's genetic engineering and how it'll change us in the next century, possibly. Look at this. Last month, an executive order by the Biden administration called Advancing Biotechnology and Biomanufacturing Innovation for a Sustainable, Safe, and Secure American Bioeconomy. That's a whole lot of words. And you put that in tandem with the FDA meeting in June and the new rules they passed about vaccines. Now you put those together, they can make new vaccines at a whim every year without evidence of safety, and new things could possibly be added as ingredients without the public knowing. So genetic engineering, how genetic engineering will change us in the next century? Well, in 2018, uh, they had 750 million genetically modified mosquitoes released in Florida. Well, they got away with that, so the Biden administration now decided 2 billion. Genetically modified mosquitoes in Florida and California released. Why would they do that? Well, they say it's to control the mosquito population, but why is the NIH possibly funding vaccinating people with mosquitoes? Genetic engineering, how it will change us in the next century. And now the NIH is also funding with uh, people that you know, that you've heard and seen, uh, self. Spreading vaccines where they make uh, through genetic engineering things that can be spread person to person. So you don't have informed consent. People are not told the risk and the benefits. You just catch it. Just like catching the cold or the flu. So, Fauci said two years ago, and I caught it when he said it, that he was expecting us to get a a COVID booster every year till we die. That's the end point. now you're starting to hear that echoed uh and you're going to hear it more and more that uh, that uh, we're supposed to get a shot every year till we die Uh, gain of function research is being done for the spanish flu they have reverse engineered and made the spanish flu the yardstick that you measure all pandemics by the yardstick that we've been told over and over uh about covid they've created in a lab and now with uh, Fauci, they're working on making it more dangerous and they're frustrated they haven't made it dangerous enough yet and they're also working on a vaccine for it as well at the same time, why, Well, well, You know, a lot of money is being exchanged. When we had one case in the United States, $119 million was spent to get 13 million doses of monkeypox vaccine for the American people. And a lot of people have benefited financially, personally, and corporations have. And there's a lot of uh, power, the emergency powers that are given during a public health emergency. But who's going to control the next pandemic? China was just elected to the World Health Organization Executive Board. They're going to have a say. The only thing standing in the way of them and our health care is uh, the Constitution. But they'll have an unelected person like Dr. Jaw say that we should have, in a pandemic, we shouldn't just be an isolated country handling this. we got to look at it as a pandemic globally.
2: There are some people in in this country who sometimes think that we can take a domestic-only approach to a global pandemic. That's not a thing. You can't do that. If we're going to fight a global pandemic, we have to have a global approach.
1: Do you see the setup? And so uh, now it's even thought police, because uh, Mayorkas, uh, there's a report that he said Americans who believe, quote, false narratives propagated on online platforms are the biggest terror threat. That has been reported. And so you've got uh, Dr. Tedros. When uh, monkeypox first started, uh, they had nine virologists and epidemiologists, uh, experts for the WHO say, this is not a global pandemic uh, health crisis. And six that said yes. And he said, he's not a doctor. He's not a medical doctor, a chiropractor, a pharmacist, a janitor in a hospital. But he overrode all of them and said, It's a public health crisis of international proportions. And so here's what he says.
3: Discrimination can be as dangerous as any virus and can fuel the outbreak. As we have seen with COVID-19, misinformation and disinformation can spread rapidly online. So we call on all social media platforms, tech companies and news organizations to work with us to prevent and counter harmful information.
1: So they're going to, they're policing right now Uh, anything that's harmful misinformation according to the WHO.
2: Anybody who's looking at this carefully realizes that there's a distinct anti-science flavor to this. So if they get up and criticize science, nobody's going to know what they're talking about. But if they get up and really aim their bullets at Tony Fauci, well, people could recognize there's a person there. So it's easy to criticize, but they're really criticizing science. Because I represent science, he represents science, I am feeling like he might. For example, if you Google climate change, you will,
0: at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science, and we think that the world, you know, should know it. And, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's it's it is um, it's it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in.
1: So they're working with social media actively to censor uh, anything that they disagree with as far as science. So what does China think about science? Well, they are welding reports of welding apartment doors shut and starving their people during the pandemic. Uh, Look what they've done. How well have they handled the pandemic? People have to... He has a lot to say that's worth hearing, but I'm out of time. Uh, So, uh, you know, people around the world are are calling it out. The UK, head of the vaccine task force, saying this is a waste of time. You have uh, Thailand, the people of Thailand, the people of India saying, you know, we're seeing the evidence of the uh, uh, complications with uh, fertility concerns and with heart conditions in young men. And so lawfare, I'm glad that I'm following the lawyers uh that's we are having victories the governor of illinois stopped his mandate on vaccines for college students and for staff at colleges because of a lawsuit that was uh, having success where uh, 10.3 million dollars was paid to the nurses that got fired for not getting the vaccine because of their religious exemption and you have other countries like uruguay now suing pfizer for uh, the information about what's in their vaccines. It's happening around the world, uh, lawfare. And we had uh, Ken Paxton, our attorney general, stand up against big tech saying, no, you can't censor the truth. You can't censor free speech, at least not in Texas. And he he stood his ground. Of course, they're attacking him. We're having uh, people win during mask mandates. Uh, one of them was uh, Stanford Graham, who struck down the mask mandate uh, on planes thank god but he's got a bigger case that we need to support in utah that'll show that these vaccines are not vaccines they're therapeutics and then they will not have safety from the law of being uh, they could be sued for uh, because it won't be a vaccine so you got to look up stanford graham and support him stanford graham So here's what I need to get out, Debbie. Uh, Anything they're suppressing, you might need to look twice at it. Uh, There's the purple pitcher plant that the American Indians found some benefit, and there are reports that it might help with pox viruses. You know, they have certainly uh, suppressed budesonide, NAC, and then there's NTZ. Write that down if you don't remember anything else, NTZ. So this is showing uh, a search for budesonide on Amazon. They don't know what that is. NAC, they said they're removing it, but NTZ. Here's a study at the NIH library showing NTZ, nitrazoxanide. I say NTZ because it's easier. uh, Can inhibit pox virus replication. That's a good one to know. Start searching for it. I called a pharmacist friend and said, "Can you get any of that?" And he says, "Oh yeah, that's only that's real cheap." And he starts typing on the computer. He says, "Oh, I can't find any." I says, "Well." And he says, oh, the price went up, like exponential in the last month in the United States. But it's still available. You can be creative. I'm not going to say any more because I'm being recorded. <laughs> uh, so purple pitcher plant, NTZ, uh, NTZ has some uh, evidence that it works against RNA and DNA viruses. Ebola is a virus. Smallpox is a virus. All these things that are viruses that are bioweapons this might be effective against and then inhaled budesonide is i called it a silver bullet on your show and i've been through four uh attacks through the medical board in the last three years thank you debbie and uh but uh it works and so thus budesonideworks.com and so it will suppress a common pathway of cytokines released in the respiratory tract by Possibly by Spanish flu, possibly by bird flu, according to Redfield, possibly COVID, it works. Uh, So much that they couldn't take it down. They've definitely suppressed it. It's the biggest kept secret in COVID is budesonide. But again, COVID is over. So uh, now the NIH is willing to put it on their treatment guidelines. How about that? They don't have ivermectin, they don't have hydroxychloroquine or zinc, but they have this, they couldn't shut it down and I'm gonna give God the credit because I was praying on that ER shift for an answer and while I was asleep, so I don't get any credit for what comes to my brain while I'm sleeping because some of it's not good, but one was good and it was from God. It was a strategy of budesonide aspirin and clarithromycin for COVID and I understood why it would work and it's gone around the world. It is now on India's uh, first treatment and for 1.4 billion people it's at the NIH database. It came from God. He's not gonna leave us helpless or hopeless. Sydney, thank you for your courage. And Where do you go for future information? You can go to budesonideworks.com, and uh, you will find things there. I don't own or operate it, but so very, very important, that a woman does. And, uh, and she's gonna keep it updated for future information that you need to know. Debbie, thank you for the extra time.
0: The other doctor we're having in this segment that relates to healthcare freedom is Dr. Simone Gold. You've heard her speak once today. She can speak quickly, which is a great thing, because she has a lot of great information not just about why of forming America's frontline doctors, but what do we do going forward when we're facing a healthcare system in this country that seems to be repressed and controlled by People who don't have America's best interests at heart, or at least don't have their in the best interests, and in they thinking of how the doctor-patient relationship should be protected. So she may have some new ideas of where we should go in the future with our healthcare system. Mona.
3: Thank you, Dr. Bartlett. I just thought that was really outstanding. Um, What I will focus on, if we can just, yes, thank you so much. So at the end of the day, you have all this huge information, and you totally get the truth and validity, and then you say to yourself, what can I do as a practical matter for myself? I'm just a person. I'm not getting a PhD or an MD anytime soon. Who can I go to? Who can I trust? You know, I became an investigative journalist the last few years, but it's exhausting. and It's time consuming, (laughs) and it would be better if you could outsource some of that information that you need to live safely in your life and your family. I want to call your attention, please, to the next slide. This is old. I'm a child of a Holocaust survivor, so the Holocaust is very important to me. And this is a very famous quote. You all know this. But essentially, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people eventually come to believe it. That's exactly what we're living. Um, Next slide. I had forgotten that it was on this talk. So the left changes language. This is an old old trick, right? We all read 1984. We know that the left changes language. Literally, that's what it was. So that's just one example. So first, left changes language, and when they do, you need to call them out on it. I'm going to show a video in a moment. And notice they use the word stomachache. Stomachache, if your kid has a stomachache, that's no big deal, right? But what if your kid had chest pain? That would be kind of alarming, right? Like 11-year-olds don't complain of chest pain, right? So notice that they use the word stomachache. That's called changing the language. The second thing I want to say is that culture wars matter. America's Frontline Doctors works to deliver creative content, because that's what they're doing. We must start engaging in culture wars. We must have superheroes like they do. Please, can we show the video?
0: All of us want to be superheroes. The most important heroes are those that help others. This year, thousands of kids like us around the world joined the COVID-19 vaccine trial. To all the kids who volunteer, we'd like to say, Thank you. But one day, I had a stomach ache so bad, I didn't want to do anything. The team at New York Presbyterian said it was actually my heart. It was severely swollen something called myocarditis but doctors gave me medicines and used machines to control my heartbeat they saved me so now i can become the next great fashion designer
2: two teenage boys who died on days three and four after the pfizer vaccine and the parents were horrified to find the children dead at home autopsies were performed and the conclusion was crystal clear the vaccines caused the death with massive heart inflammation.
3: I took care of those children who came in with myocarditis after the vaccine. And I talked to the doctors because I was a charge nurse, saying, Why aren't we reporting these to bears? Who is going to report these to bears? It was an unspoken thing that we were not allowed to talk about openly on the unit. The day before I was taken away from my position, I was actively giving compressions to a child to keep him alive. As a doctor, lawyer, and mom, I could not sit by and watch our children being used as guinea pigs. and a mom. I'm a doctor, a pediatrician, and a mom. As a mom, I would never give my kids the COVID vaccine. As a doctor, let me tell you why. In my 25 years of experience as a pediatrician, I've given out thousands of vaccines. I cannot vaccinate these kids with this vaccine because I'm afraid they may die. We're not going to quit. We're fighting for America's children.
2: The Florida Department of Health is going to uh, be the first state to officially recommend against the COVID-19 vaccines for healthy children.
0: Most important heroes are those that help others. Thank you, Dr. Joseph Ladafoe. Thank you, Dr. Simone Gold. Thank
3: you, Dr. Angie Ferreira. Okay. OK, seconds matter, so I'm going to start talking. <laughs> Why did I spend five full minutes showing you that when we're so short on time, I have so much to talk about? It's because we need to win the culture wars. The videos that opened were Pfizer ads. Superheroes, wonderful Pfizer, isn't that terrific? We need to engage at that level. It has to be done. That's what America's Frontline Doctors works to do, but we're, you know, we're relative, I mean, we're very very tiny compared to Pfizer. But we need to at least wake up and say that got to get that out there. The culture wars is very important. Notice they said stomach ache. Just seriously, language matters. We need to, I think, personalize and individualize the fight. They put up these cute kids saying, well, we've got superheroes on our side by abundance. We need to engage at that level. Your action, your individual action has to be twofold. First of all, obviously, there's going to be future pandemics, future ways to capture us with fear. So on a personal, individual level, you will need people that you can trust. You need Dr. Bartlett, you need someone like me, you need that in your pocket because we go home, we have families, we have parents and children. So who is that going to be without you becoming an investigative journalist? I have the answer for you on that. But relatedly, on the bigger public policy level, we need to stop feeding the beast. They're taking our money, your money, out of your pocket and doing this nonsense. So as a political matter, you must exit the system. People think they can't exit the health insurance business because, oh my God, what if something happened and I got into a car accident tomorrow? I will teach you how. This is my life's work. We've just launched GoldCare. GoldCare.com. We're starting with telemedicine. This is where you can find ethical, honorable doctors, very much like Dr. Bartlett, like myself. They've all been vetted. They all are, on our side, patriotic doctors who are also competent physicians. You have a consult with somebody like that, and you don't have to be your own investigative journalist. We've made the price point reasonable for people. There's nobody who couldn't afford it if they wanted to afford it that's where you get the advice that's where you have you know your dr bartlett your dr gold in your pocket like what is this ntc i heard about or what should i be afraid of monkey or what's coming we all need that right i need it in in accounting for example i need that myself we have certain areas in our life we need that you need that expert in your pocket who you can trust and who you can rely on simultaneously you need to protect yourself and you say well dr gold how am i going to go without health insurance we teach you exactly how you leave health assurance out insurance outside because that is feeding the beast. If you continue to use health insurance, you are feeding the beast. And if you're an employer and your employees are being provided health insurance, you are the problem. But I understand you don't want to leave people alone. We will teach you how. It's called assurance, not insurance. We partnered with a healthcare cost-sharing ministry. It's got Christian roots. And in this way, you protect yourself against a catastrophic cost. We will teach you exactly how to do it. You become a Gold Care member. You are, we put together wellness types of doctors, functional doctors, naturopaths, and traditional allopaths like myself. It really has never been done on scale like this because the money usually just follows the traditional doctor you know, when you have an illness. So you're on an illness model, illness paradigm. We've removed that. We simply give you the advice that you need. If you're basically pretty healthy, but you have some questions, there's no way in the traditional model that that can be built. You have to have a diagnosis, you have to be diabetic. So sometimes they'll call someone a pre-diabetic. Oh my goodness gracious, that's like being 10 pounds overweight. I mean, it's not really a medical thing, but that's the way to bill things out. We have none of that tension at Gold Care. We're simply giving you advice. We're like lawyers or accountants. You pay us for our time, you don't like us, we get you someone else. It's fine, it's affordable. The piece that is unaffordable, or you're told, is if you have a hospitalization stay. Dirty little secret that I can tell you as a formerly board certified emergency doctor, the overwhelming numbers of people in hospitals don't need to be there. Overwhelmingly. When I say overwhelmingly, absolutely it's north of 90%. I think the only people that absolutely need to be in a hospital are those that are in the ICU. Virtually everything else could be handled outside. And the people on med surge, overwhelmingly, it's just a money-making, like revolving door. But how do you know that as a patient? If your doctors tell, oh, we have to admit you for chest pain and watch you and you don't know. You don't know how to judge. So you need truth. You need people who are unbiased giving you the answers. That's GoldCare.com. I urge you to come check it out because it's the way forward. It's the way forward. It's the way forward. It's the way forward. It's the way forward, the way forward. The way forward politically. A short introduction, and, and then that will be that will be the end of my time. The please, in the next video. Hello, America. I'm Dr. Simone Gold, founder of America's Frontline Doctors, and I'm thrilled to bring you an invitation to join something extraordinary. We've all endured historic challenges in recent times, but my experience on the front lines as an emergency physician in 2020 prepared me to immediately recognize the deception and destructive policies that put us on a direct path to tyranny. Enough. We must dispel the fear and corruption with a total commitment to truth, transparency, and freedom. Healthcare is out. Gold care is in. I'm Dr. Dana granberg No.
1: Hi, I'm Dr.
2: Dan Stock.
3: Hi, I'm Christy Morrell. Hi,
2: I'm Dr. Chase Bradford.
3: Hi, I'm Dr. Jana Schmidt. Hi, I'm Katie Stevens. Our team is reinventing what it means to provide medical care in an environment of trust. GoldCare Health and Wellness operates unlike any medical provider you've previously experienced. We don't take insurance, we take care of you.
4: GoldCare is
1: designed to remove financial incentives that might keep you on an illness track.
3: We provide this through a private membership association.
2: This team protects both patients and doctors from the corruption that is rampant in the current system.
3: If you want the absolute best care for yourself and your loved ones, and if you share our commitment to the fundamental values of integrity and liberty, joy and compassion, then we encourage you to join us. Visit goldcare.com to find a better path forward, both patients and providers. We are ready for you. So, you know, my life was was fine before COVID, and my life will continue to be fine. This is my life's work, because I see fixing the healthcare system as our biggest national security threat. We all heard that. That was an amazing presentation, Dr. Bartlett. They are coming to get us, and the doorway in is to scare the bejesus out of us through medical. How will you stand strong? How will those of you who have myself and say, what am I going to do about this? This is how you need your expert in your pocket so you can move forward without being afraid. And I'm going to make a plea. If you don't start only supporting the businesses that want a righteous, moral, constitutional republic, we are going to be living in the western satellite of China. It is your obligation to sign up for businesses like this. There will be others, I'm sure. And in every industry, you must look for them. That is the way forward in healthcare. Thank you.
0: This person I'm going to call up, this little segment that's on, you know, kind of the defending America against these assaults, uh, we have a gentleman joining us, a Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer, and he wrote a book. You may know his story. He wrote a book while he was still active in the military, discussing the attack of Marxism on America's military. This did not go over well with the military. So he uh, is uh, no longer with them, but he ha- he's a wonderful spokesperson about the weakening of America's military through doctrines that are not You know, they they aren't an open, obviously, material attack, not an open um, military attack, but is an undermining of America's military or culture or what the military is supposed to stand for. So please help me welcome Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer.
4: I was accosted last night by a group of female agitators in front of the hotel who had questions about the Space Force. And unfortunately, I don't get to talk with all of you about the Space Force today. Uh, But I shared with them that recently in Idaho, where I live, I had a chance to address an audience uh, about half your size. I spoke for about 45 minutes maybe on the, the topics that I would like to address here with you today and then answer questions for about two hours and 45 minutes about Space Force, UFOs, Noah's Flood, and a bunch of other topics that were apparently of greater interest. And so in advance, I'll say that uh, what I have to share, as Debbie has mentioned, I could uh, address for a far greater period of time And I've decided, in the interest of time, to rely upon written notes today, which I don't normally like to do, um, but I think it's important that I don't leave anything out. So forgive me as I bury my face in my notes and try and get through a a kind of battle rhythm that I've established for myself. Uh, The United States today suffers the burden of ignorance and immorality the natural consequences, as Paul said, of abandoning truth and living without hope and without God in the world. This is in some degree imposed on us by a wealthy and powerful elite. The ideologues responsible for shaping the modern world deliberately abandon that which is exceptional about our heritage and choose instead to adopt that which is more primitive, more tribal, and less civil in an effort to secure control for themselves. But in a very real sense, the problems we face are also of our own making as a people. We've forgotten that ignorance and liberty are incompatible. Thomas Jefferson warned about the problem we now face in an 1816 letter to a Virginia state legislator, Charles Yancey, in saying, if a nation expects to be ignorant and free in a state of civilization, it expects what never was and never will be. We have an increasingly ignorant population, but somehow expect to retain our liberty. But in addition to our ignorance, we have lost our moral footing as a society. We have been taught, and ought to believe, that the successful governance of a people in a constitutional republic presupposes that people's morality. In 1798 John Adams said we have no government armed with power capable of contending with human passions unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, and revenge would break the strongest cords of the Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And again. Paul perhaps said it most pointedly in his second epistle to the Corinthians, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Yet you and I must confront today the fact that many people in our country, let alone in the rest of the West, have willfully chosen to put off that spirit which enables liberty. Now I share that with you because it's directly related to some of what's going on in our military. And I wanna talk about this theme of ignorance for just a moment. Let me give you a few examples of the kind of thing I'm talking about. Many Americans know who the Kardashians are, but are ignorant of who the Secretary of Defense is. Many Americans know Game of Thrones and Stranger Things, but are ignorant of the fact that the United States created a new branch of the military as recently as December 2019 called the U.S. Space Force. The first time we've created a new military since the Air Force was created in 1947. Many Americans know Brittany Griner and Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, but are ignorant of who is on the ballot in their own home state for the midterms. Many Americans know they support Ukraine and therefore must show that support by flying a Ukrainian flag in support of the victim of Putin's alleged unjustified aggression but can't tell you the first thing about the United States' ongoing presence in Syria, or the devastating civil war in Somalia, or the humanitarian crises and human rights abuses in Yemen, or the ongoing Maoist insurgency in India, or the communist rebellion in the Philippines. Through subversion, many Americans now know that the U.S. is an oppressive regime, an oppressor state, that constantly suffers the wickedness of white supremacy and systemic racism, but remain ignorant of the United States' historic efforts to put an end to the slave trade using the US Navy. They remain ignorant of the fact that out of over 190 countries in the United Nations, over 90 of them have not banned slavery. Many Americans know, this is where you come in, that they love and support They're military, but they are ignorant of the ongoing overt politicization of the military workplace and the purge of conservative Christians from our military ranks and the plummeting morale all over the military. So I'd like to provide you with a kind of real-time update about what is happening in your military. What is happening in our military is a reflection of ignorance, immorality, evil designs, and a loss of God's spirit. It is all an agenda driven by the Biden administration, and perhaps those for whom the Biden administration wittingly or unwittingly works. There are many men and women who are faithfully and happily fulfilling their military service obligations. And there are many men and women who are faithfully and unhappily fulfilling their military service obligations. The number of service members in the latter category are growing, unfortunately. Despite whatever good thing your son or your daughter or your spouse has or is doing in uniform, I'm here to tell you about things that you should know that the Biden administration, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin are doing, and the things that they are doing are not good. Last year, the Boards of Visitors were illegally suspended at each of our military service academies by Lloyd Austin. This effectively stopped those appointed to the various boards from providing necessary oversight that is required of them by federal statutes and enabled the overt left-wing propagandizing of cadets at our service academies. When pressure mounted against the Secretary of Defense because of this decision, the board's suspension was removed but was shortly thereafter followed by letters from the Biden administration demanding the resignation of all Trump appointees to the boards of visitors at our service academies by 5 p.m. the same day that those letters were received. If they did not resign, they were terminated. The Department of Defense and the Department of Homeland Security, under which falls the U.S. Coast Guard, still have in place what is now recognized by federal judges, attorneys, and even the DOD itself as an illegal COVID shot mandate. There are potentially more than 100,000 service members across all branches of the military between active duty guard and reserves that face an unjust and untimely separation from their service, thousands of whom have already lost their pension and their benefits. Let me give you just a few examples. Just checking my timer. Several weeks ago, Seven cadets were expelled from the U.S. Coast Guard Academy for their refusal to take the shot. They were sent away on their own dime, were told that they were required, however, to maintain military grooming and physical training standards and that they would not be allowed to attend their classes even online. One cadet temporarily became homeless and lived in his truck as he did not have a home to which he could return and could not afford rent. Some of these cadets were within a year of graduating and commissioning into the U.S. Coast Guard. Ironically, six out of the seven are minorities, either by virtue of their race, ethnicity, or gender. You'll also recall, as you may have seen in the news last week, that Joe Biden called a U.S. Coast Guard rescue swimmer to thank him for his efforts in saving an old woman and others in the aftermath of Hurricane Ian and didn't know that the same man he had called to thank was going to be also on the chopping block within 30 days for his refusal to take the shot. In the words of that service member, he said, I'm good at what I do, I'm paraphrasing, I don't think that the woman I saved cares whether I was vaccinated. (laughs) He's probably right. Service members who either chose to receive the shot or who were coerced into receiving it, are now unfortunately experiencing medically limiting symptoms related—sorry, let me say that again—medically limiting symptoms related to their heart and blood. For example, one female cadet at the United States Air Force Academy has experienced uncontrollable blood clotting in her legs and faces separation from the service. Another man at the Air Force Academy has recently suffered a heart attack in his swimming class. These are all otherwise relatively healthy and resilient young people. Pilots are being grounded, not only because they refused to take the shot, but because they took the shot and are now having medically limiting consequences. We have 700 pilots, approximately, who face early termination from the service right now. 700 pilots across all branches of the military. In 2019, the Chief Staff of the Air Force, General Dave Goldfein, announced that we were 1,600 pilots short in the Air Force alone and that it constituted crisis levels of readiness for our United States Air Force. That was before COVID. And now we we stand to lose around 700 pilots because of this mandate. There are, for example, 14 instructor pilots grounded at Vance Air Force Base in Oklahoma alone right now, which is imposing a really unworkable ops tempo for the rest of the instructor pilots at Vance Air Force Base plummeting morale because they have to fill the lines to keep the pilots coming through the training pipeline 14 pilots grounded this despite a federal injunction from a from or, or, I'm sorry a preliminary injunction from a federal judge in Cincinnati saying that the air force didn't have the legal grounds any longer to take any punitive action against those who haven't taken the shot many of those who've been grounded have not yet been returned to flying status Of those 700 pilots, they have approximately 5,000 years of cumulative service, representing over 8 billion of your taxpayer dollars in their training. They have an average of 14 years of service in the cockpit. In other words, they are highly experienced combat aviators. That's over 680,000 cumulative flight hours of experience. And they have over 135,000 cumulative combat hours across 1,100 deployments. That's who we stand to lose in our pilot force alone. Again, this is only 700. We have, apparently, at least 100,000 service members across active duty, guard, and reserve who are facing separation. You wouldn't be surprised to know that many of them are conservative and Christian. All the more easy to shape a politically compliant military force if you get rid of them. Over 60% of those pilots are instructor pilot qualified. Roughly 10% of them are Air Force weapons instructors and Navy top gun pilots, and get this, nearly 20% of them support the nuclear mission. Their loss significantly degrades our nuclear deterrence at a critical time in world events. Despite our pilot shortage crisis, the Air Force had the gumption to recently announce that because of diversity and inclusion and for lethality. We need to get from 80% white male fighter pilots to 67.5%. A letter stating those facts was sent 11 months ago to the Senate and House Armed Services committees by concerned members of the DOD pilot community and nothing was done, even among Republicans. It wasn't yet election season. Even to this day, relatively few Republican officials have engaged in the fight to end the mandate. Moving on, several weeks ago, the US Air Force Academy hosted a trans-affirmation event for which registration was required. Accompanying the advertisement for this event was the caveat that straight white male cadets need not apply or register for the event. Around the same time, a cadet leaked a set of diversity and inclusion slides to the nonprofit STARS, S-T-A-R-R-S, for which I work, which taught cadets that the words mom and dad are insensitive since not everyone has a mom and a dad and suggested that they use words like parent or caregiver or guardian for example. Note also that this should remind you of something that maybe a couple of years ago you saw on the Black Lives Matter movement website that said it seeks to disrupt the Western nuclear family. They had to remove that as pressure mounted but that's a Marxist organization And that's a Marxist aim. And that is an aim within our US Air Force Academy at the moment to disabuse the 98% of our cadets who don't support that agenda of the notion that it's okay to use words like mom and dad in the workplace. By the way, listen, since I've got time, I think I've got five minutes left, in fact, if I take my full 20. (laughs) Listen to what Vladimir Putin just said a couple of weeks ago. They, that is the West, but particularly the United States, do not give a damn about the natural right of billions of people, the majority of humanity, to freedom and justice, the right to determine their own future. They, that is the United States, have already moved on to the radical denial of moral, religious, and family values. Do we want to have here, in our country, Putin said, in Russia, parent number one, and parent number two, and parent number three, instead of mother and father, they have completely lost it," he said. (laughs) Do you agree? (laughs) Yeah. Regardless of what you think of the man, he's more aligned with your values, at least in what he's saying, than your current administration and the Secretary of Defense. He went on to say, do we want our schools in Russia to impose on our children from their earliest days in school perversions that lead to degradation and extinction? Do we want to drum into their heads the idea that certain other genders exist along with women and men to offer them gender reassignment surgery, which is something the Defense Department also does on your tax dollar. Is that what we want for our country and children? This is all unacceptable to us, he says. We have a different future of our own. Let me repeat that the dictatorship of the Western elites target all societies, including the citizens of Western countries themselves. This is a challenge to us all, this complete renunciation of what it means to be human, to overthrow fa- the overthrow of faith and traditional values and the suppression of freedom are coming to resemble a religion in reverse, pure Satanism. Well, he's right. And his message, unfortunately, is going to resonate with much of the rest of the world because they're seeing this stuff in the headlines. And it's perhaps not coincidental that he said that just a couple of weeks after Fox News had headlines talking about what our own US Air Force Academy was doing in its diversity and inclusion trainings. Moving on. The Defense Department has largely been ignoring FOIA requests since the Biden administration took office. The nonprofit with which I'm working, STARS, has filed 31 FOIA requests with the Office of the Secretary of Defense, West Point, and USAFA during the past two years, seeking to get to the ground truth regarding the DOD's claims that it is suffering under systemic racism problems and that people of color face unfair barriers within military services. The DOD, of course, has never provided any evidence of its claims. Judicial Watch has recently filed a lawsuit against the Defense Department in connection with STARS over DOD's refusal to respond to FOIAs that have been put to it within the required 20 working days. In an effort to celebrate the queer and trans agenda, bases around the world continue to host drag shows and family-friendly drag shows where usually men dress up as women and dance provocatively and interact with families and children. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin has established a new Diversity and Inclusion Advisory Committee It is above all branches of the military and is chaired by Lester Lyles, who formerly chaired the Obama-era Military Leadership and Diversity Commission to redefine diversity and inclusion terms within the uniformed services. As you may be aware, our military is experiencing recruitment and retention issues because of these things. Senior military leaders insist that our recruitment and retention woes are due to COVID and COVID's impacts on juniors and seniors in high schools around the country. But you might rightly suspect that there are other factors, in fact, discouraging military service in the current Defense Department. Democrats in Congress have introduced a draft, our daughter's legislation, the 2023 National Defense Authorization Act. SASC Chairman Jack Reed included an amendment that would require young women to register for the draft. Republicans, some of them, are trying to fight that now the National Defense Authorization Act also includes legislation that would create a civilian harm assessment cell, civilian harm assessment cell in units across all branches of the uniformed services. By doing this, Democrats and senior military leaders are signaling their lack of trust in our tactical and local level commanders to ensure that they are able to make the military workplace a safe space. The National Defense Authorization Act also includes legislation that would mandate the placement of gender advisors in all military units. Democrats are the worst. You know, our military service members don't want one bit of this, and I don't care what their political views are. They just don't care for any of that stuff. Democrats, Republicans. Um, Due to time, let me wrap up by saying one minute minute worth of things. Uh, In addition to all of that, the Marxist critical race theory continues to be taught to all of our troops It is craftily packaged under the guise of diversity and inclusion, and is often presented by people who wear a smile on their faces. But CRT, as you may be aware, rots everything it touches. Here is the bottom line, at very least, what we are doing to and with our service members is a distraction away from what their priorities really ought to be. But at worst, our all-volunteer force is nearly destroyed even now, and we are only beginning to recognize it in 2022. There is a deliberate and ongoing ideological subversion of our military that may very well destroy our military from within. 2023 will be worse from a recruitment and retention perspective because these things take time to unfold. And our military will only be increasingly polarized and divided. Our readiness is being destroyed. The morale of our troops is suffering, and the current administration is deliberately shaping a politically compliant force. And now you know more than probably 99% of Americans about some of what's currently unfolding in our military, and I warned about all of it one year ago in my book, and they lost their trust and confidence in me for drawing attention to it. But promote the trans agenda and the queer agenda and everything else I've talked to you about today. As the Stoics used to say, it matters little whether you are one fathom or 500 fathoms beneath the surface of the water, you drown just the same. So what you ought to do about it is contact your congressmen, congresswomen, let them know that you're concerned about the state of our military and ask them to get involved. And you can go to stars.us, that's with two Rs, to find out how you can help support a nonprofit that's filled with activist, uh, high-ranking veteran military officials who are engaged in the fight 24-7 and and trying to bring these uh, matters to the attention of members of Congress, Heritage Foundation, with whom I'm beginning to work pretty closely, and others. Thank you. This is
0: Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk? Thank you so very much for tuning in today and every day, Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk? I'll be back live in studio on tuesday november 1st until then enjoy this week of presentations of all the speakers made at the third annual women for freedom summit here in dallas thank you for listening to america can we talk Where i always talk truth about america because america matters and i will talk to you very soon